This is Influencers Today, presented by your host, Walter Jennings. Well, today we're talking about the influence of crypto institutions. Uh, we have seen the rise and rise of interest by institutions in the field of digital assets and uh, tokenization and other opportunities. And my guest today is Matt Long. He is the managing director for APAC at Falcon X, which is the largest online digital asset prime brokerage powering the world's leading institutions. Welcome, Matt, to Influencers Today. Thank you very much for uh, for having me, Walter. Really, uh, really looking forward to, to the discussion. Yeah, look, um, just so we, uh, we don't want a full company intro, but maybe you can help us establish your bona fides. I, I understand you're an Australian banker converted to crypto and Singapore? That's probably the right summary. Yes, look, so Walter, as you say, I, uh, I'm Australian. Uh, I'm Australian by background. Um, I, I started my career in financial markets and, um, and derivatives um, at, a, uh, at a bank called Bankers Trust uh, back at the, uh, the end of the 90s. <laughs> Um, so, Matt, you and I have that much in common. I worked uh, two years there in the 80s in uh, number 14 Wall Street, the headquarters. Oh, there you go. There you go. Showing, showing our age. So, look, I, um, so yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm Australian by background. Um, you know, I, I started my career in, uh, in derivatives in Sydney uh, and then moved, um, moved to Hong Kong back in 2001. And so I have spent most of the last 20-odd years uh, between, uh, between Hong Kong and Singapore uh, building and running a variety of uh, financial markets businesses, and have been, I guess, all all in on uh, on digital assets. Uh, this is my fifth year now, so since uh, since two thousand nineteen. Well, Matt, I noticed you'd been at OSL and earlier um, in Australia and here at Macquarie Bank, and um, but you seem uh, to, to be in that generation that's making the move from traditional finance into digital finance, and and. What first brought you over, um, and what keeps you? Yeah, it, look, mine, mine's an interesting. I think. Well, I suppose we all have interesting journeys uh, into into crypto. Um, the genesis of mine was actually out of traditional finance, um, having put in a uh, a risk system into the derivatives business that I was running, um, and it was a risk system that actually ran on GPUs, and so an early version of GPU processors. And it's from that that uh, I actually discovered this thing called Bitcoin mining, uh, and you know some of the quants that I was working with explained it to me. This is kind of ten years ago, uh, and you know I, I then went down the proverbial rabbit hole on what this blockchain uh, technology actually meant, uh, and I, I guess intellectually then realised you know if blockchain can be used to its um, maximum potential with uh, particularly within financial services. It, it does a whole lot of things around, you know, reducing cost, reducing complexity, uh, improving the the ability for a you know a, a broad mass of people to to enter into financial markets and the financial system that they might actually have um, uh, have access to. So really building inclusion. Yeah, I also look forward to the security improvements because you know just um, uh, 
had to cancel a credit card because there were all these suspicious transactions that were not authorized by me. But yeah, no. Well, listen, yes. um, the, the digital journey will continue and we'll come back to your uh, Star Wars Jedi hero's journey. But tell us about your current role and briefly introduce us to Falcon X. I will. Thank you. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm the head of Falcon X uh, in, in APAC. My, my mandate is to help us deliver our services and our products to institutional investors. So Falcon X is one of the world's largest prime brokers within the digital asset space where we serve up a, a range of products and services to help institutions invest and trade into digital asset markets. We help them with clearing. We help them with you know, post-trade settlement services, and we help them with credit. And so really what, we're, what we are building and what we have built is a, a, a platform and a service at Falcon X that allows you know, institutions to effectively have an experience like they would with a prime broker in traditional financial markets. Um, so that, that's our goal. That's what we do. We're, uh, we're a six-year-old company. Um, we, were, uh, we were founded in 2018 in, in Silicon Valley. Um, we, we now hold about 220, 230 people um, across the globe, uh, across all of our functions. Um, we are still privately held. Um, interestingly, uh, GIC, the, the Sovereign Wealth Fund in Singapore, led our, our last funding round uh, in June of last year at an $8 billion valuation. Um, so we're, you know, as I'm, what I'm trying to do is paint the picture. We're very much focused on institutional adoption, helping institutions safely, securely move into digital asset markets. Okay, well, I want to unpick that for a little bit because, you know, uh, rightly stated, your emphasis is on, on institutional investors, provide a great platform for the trade with a great user experience and a host of products and services. And we'll come back to the crypto derivatives later. But yeah. talk to us about the uptake and the types of institutions trading in crypto because uh, you're a, a relatively young business and this is a relatively new trend. So, you know, Talk to us about institutional demand. So look, what's what's and look, it's a, it's a really it's a really interesting question. And every time we we speak about this institutional adoption of of digital assets, Walter, I, I really find it interesting. So, if I think about the the conversations that I was having with institutions four or five years ago, what was an institutional investor then within crypto might be a fifty or a hundred million dollar crypto hedge fund. You know, very right. specific, and that was about the size of it. And you know how we've seen the conversation evolve over the last four or five years has now moved to where you have some of the world's biggest institutional investors and biggest regulated financial institutions now investing in and trading into digital asset markets. And so again, across here we see, I guess we see a broad range of examples, and we we continue to see, you know, like some of the clients we serve are some of the biggest asset managers globally, um, some of the biggest banks and and their interests uh, into digital assets. And so we continue to see this investment in and the evolution of the um, sophistication of the styles of investors uh, in you know within digital asset markets. And that really does sit across the spectrum from, from banks to large asset managers to right. crypto asset managers and families. You know, family offices as well tend to be or quite often can be right at the front end of the, of the curve um, when it comes to 
you know, experimenting in new markets and, and looking at new markets. What about pension and retirement funds? Are they um, investing in crypto as part of their asset class mix? It is. It's a. It, 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 it's an interesting answer in that where you see pensions and uh, endowments and retirement funds, typically they have been. They've actually been very early investors into digital asset markets. But the way that they've expressed their views has been through venture capital funds and other types of fund vehicles. And so that's the way that they've expressed um, their, their interest in and their access to, um, to, to digital asset markets, mostly to this point. Okay. And amongst the institutions, are there a, is there a crypto bro equivalent? What I'd say, look, I think within, within the institutional market, I think what we see is there are some, there are some really well-known um, faces and uh, spokespeople who typically have come out of those uh, larger asset managers or those that are at, um, you know, the, if, I, if I think about some of our clients, they're, they're, they're quite well-known faces within traditional financial markets, um, but are now starting to talk about digital assets and, and actually espousing the, the benefits that tokenization and the blockchain will b- bring to digital asset markets. Um, I'm not sure that, they, um, that they'd probably be down with the tag of crypto bro, <laughs> um, but th- th- you know, they, they do have views and they're happy to speak about their view, but in, a, you know, in more of a traditional finance um, sort of lexicon. Okay. Now, Matt, um, I want to separate your business in two, um, uh, kind of talk about Falcon X360, your dashboard, and um, I, I'm assuming that's how you get into the institutions because um, we've always heard build like a bear uh, when the market's not doing as strongly. That's when you want to invest in systems, procedures, and processes. Um, tell me about the Falcon X360, and then uh, I'm going to ask you separately about your derivative suites. Sure, sure. So look, Falcon X360, as I said, what we, what we want to do and what we do is to be able to serve up to institutional investors uh, an experience that allows them to have the, I guess, the whole 360 view and experience of trading in digital asset markets. And so what our Falcon X360 platform does provides a a full suite soup to nuts um, service that allows institutions to trade in, um, invest, um, hedge, see their positions, have reporting all in digital, you know, across a broad range of digital assets, you know, up to sort of four, 450 different digital assets and have that, you know, presented to them in a, you know, in a beautiful user interface, like they were trading on a traditional markets prime brokerage user interface. Right. And how well does that integrate with the institution's back end? I have to imagine that it kind of uh, plugs yeah. in well. It plugs in really well. And so we have a, you know, we have many different types of clients, some who are high frequency and use their own front end and just connect to our, our liquidity via APIs. Others who use our front end dashboards, you know, like family offices for the full experience. But what's, what's really, um, what our engineers and product guys have done really well is everything that, you know, someone and a client can see on the Falcon X360 dashboard can actually be taken via an API into a, you know, a native trading system. And so you're, you're right. Everything can be, can be absorbed via API as well. Good. And I think with that modular approach, it will suit the differing um, tech stacks that companies have. 
Influencers Today, the podcast. That's the front end. Um, on the back end, you have quite a range of uh, sophisticated products and services. Uh, before we dive deeper into the range of that you have, can you introduce us to derivatives? Um, and um, I'll tell you, my uh, mother, Joan, is a listener of this podcast, and she's not from the financial market. So maybe give one for Joan um, and help her understand what's a derivative. Look, in its very, in its very simplest layperson's terms, a derivative contract or financial instrument uh, is an instrument whose value depends on the value of an underlying asset or an underlying instrument. And so one very, very simplistic um, uh, case that I like to give or example that I like to give is bring it back to say that buying a property because most people understand what it means to buy a property. And so, you know, your, your mum, Joan, she can go and she can buy a, um, she can buy a house for, you know, $200,000 and she can pay cash for that now. Or she could say to the person who's selling it, I don't want to buy it for $200,000 now, but I'd like to buy it from you for $200,000 in one year's time. And I'll give you $5,000 now for that option to buy it at 200. So in its very simplest form, that's a derivative. That's an option to buy. And so within digital asset markets, there is a very quickly and um, you know a, a, a rapidly growing derivatives market globally for institutional uh, investors and traders. Yeah, no, and um, look, uh, I, I do want to talk about the rise and rise of crypto derivatives. Um, what's resonating in the market today? And, uh, you know, what do you, what are the kind of the products that you're seeing the strongest interest in? So look, at, at Falcon X, we are, we are one of the world's, if not the world's largest derivative, OTC derivatives player. And that what, what that means is we have a very unique ability to go to institutional traders and institutional clients and help them with their hedging strategies or their investing strategies using derivatives. And so what's, right. what's quite unique about us and why I say we're quite unique, we have a global business. Um, within Singapore, we have a company here that will issue and trade derivatives with institutions. Um, in the United States, we are actually, we were the first and still only CFTC registered swap stealer, which is a very unique classification. So that means that we actually have a regulated derivatives counterparty that an institution can face in the same way that they might fi face uh, an FX swap stealer or an interest rate swap stealer. So that means we have a very unique position in the way that we've built the business to be able to serve up a um, uh, a range of entities that allow institutions to feel, feel comfortable with who they're trading with. We then have specialist teams globally that help institutions understand how to hedge. You know, so this might be a, um, uh, for example, this might be a Bitcoin miner who's mining Bitcoin and actually wants to hedge some of the price exposure, or maybe they want to generate more yield and sell call options over the top of their thing. So there's one example. Um, so we have a very, we have a, probably the most experienced team globally at Falcon X for helping 
traders and customers with um, hedging trading strategies when it uh, when it comes to derivatives. That's fantastic, Matt, because you know the um, ability to customize um, per the needs of the client that's very significant. What's particular to your clients in Asia Pacific? Are you finding um, products or issues that resonate? Uh, uh, and how has that fed back to Silicon Valley? Look, I think there's there's uh, there's probably a couple of things here, and maybe I, I'll start with the last point first. Um, we we do effectively run an autonomous business here, and so that's very important for us. That whilst we leverage centralized engineering and the you know the central tech stack, we really have the the ability and the autonomy to drive business uh, drive business and and customer needs and wants and delivering on them from here. Um, what uh, what what is very unique and what's slightly different about our customers in uh, in across Asia, um, venture capital funds, and so we actually have a an ability to help if there's a venture fund that has invested in a token quite early, is now sitting on substantial gains. We actually have a hedging product where we allow them to um, we can help them with what we would call like a a non deliverable forward contract. They can actually hedge out the price risk of some of the, the holdings that they have. So that's a very unique hedging offering that we offer to a whole range of venture capital firms across the region. The other interesting um, market that is growing very quickly is the family office market in Asia. And so, um, as I mentioned before, I've got a, a relatively long history in derivatives and um, structured products across the region. Um, and so when you look at the, the appetite for different types of structured products, be they um, families, family offices wanting to generate yield, we, we've actually built a, uh, a whole structured products capability in digital assets in the same way that a family might have a, um, an accumulator over HSBC shares. We can give them accumulator over Bitcoin, for example. And so as, as the next generation of wealth within these families is making more and more of the decisions are around the portfolio, we find that um, we find these families increasingly wanting to have exposure to, uh, to, to digital asset structured products. Great. And, and Matt, I noticed um, FalconX recently had um, made a significant investment in altcoins, um, some US 23 million in Matic, Immutable X, Lido. Um, I understand this is because of the institutional interest in other chains. So what's what's important to note, um, Walter, is we, and this is very, very important actually for our business model, is we, we don't take directional positions. So we are just a broker. Um, we don't actually trade against our clients. We don't hold positions that have market risk in them. So when you when you see something happening, on chain from one of our wallets or you see something moving, it generally means or it does mean that there is client activity happening behind it. And so, you know, that would mean that we are, you know, our, our systems are, are hedging out positions uh, as a result of, you know, a, a, client, uh, a client requirement for a particular product. Okay. Now, um, Matt, I know we're um, really focusing on blockchain, Web3 and digital asset technology, but, uh, you know, it's... Uh, current at the moment. So I have to ask you about how Falcon X is deploying AI today. And what are some of the tent pegs in your AI framework or strategy? AI is, it's important to us. Uh, and it's going to be increasingly important to, to Falcon X going forward. Again, what's really, really unique uh, about Falcon X is um, 
you know, I, I mentioned earlier we're, you know, we're founded in 2018. Our founder actually came out of Google and so had a lot to do with the machine learning business uh, at Google. And so, and so some of our engineers um, also have deep, long experience in machine learning. So the way that, you know, our, our business has been built already leverages machine learning yep. in the way that we help provide liquidity for clients. And so I think what you, we have, we have machine learning and AI just baked into our DNA. And so the way that our existing uh, infrastructure and the way that our existing liquidity has been built, it's, you know, we've really leveraged machine learning already to be able to move to that next level then of implementing uh, AI for our clients. That's something that, um, you know, we have, I think what we would call in a beta form. So we have a, well, a product and it, not surprisingly is called Satoshi. And it is a it's it has a the the genesis of what will become our AI offering, and so in the first instance we see it being able to, you know, if we've got I'll give you an example if you've got a um you've got a, you've got a small hedge fund, um it might be you know a handful of people with you know let's say thirty forty million dollars under management, for that hedge fund to be able to compete with a much larger hedge fund that has teams of analysts is actually restrictive from a cost perspective. But by, you know, what we envisage is being able to take AI and take the Falcon X Satoshi product and that type of client being able to use it to help level up some of the, the their competitiveness when it comes to, um, to understanding markets and making decisions. And so very early on, you know, very early in the process, but, um, you know, we see it being a, an important part of our, our future roadmap for clients. Fantastic. Well, um, I wish you uh, success on the journey um, as everyone around the world uh, comes to terms with how they're going to be using AI going forward. Um, our podcast is called Influencers Today, and I'd like to understand the influence of digital assets. Uh, how and where do you see crypto wielding influence? Um, everywhere <laughs> is the short answer. Everywhere. Um, and, and again, I think that those of us who have um, voted with our feet, as it were, and are now within the industry, um, I, I imagine probably have a similar view. So if I think about NFTs for kids, you know, gamers, you know, it's it just it's native to them. This is a world they live in. This is a digital asset. You know, when we think about NFTs and down at that level, right at the top level, if we think about some of the... Um, if we think about some of the work that's being done, for example, um, by Project Guardian, which is the MAS, um, you know, the initiatives here, that's very, you know, a very high level and many different, you know, 10 to 15 different institutions involved in different tests around digital assets and how they, how they can be um, implemented. You know, if you look at some of the, I guess, some of the trade finance um uh, products that have already come to market in on the, the blockchain, you know, that, and that's what I mean. I think we see it everywhere, and that's for us the the reason why we why we built Falcon X is to be able to help institutions trade, clear, leverage, and actually manage positions and hedge positions in these markets and these digital asset markets as they as they grow and as you know further assets are actually tokenized and come into this into this asset class. Well, Matt, um, I have. A work one well, my last work related question then I want to get to ask you a few questions but you know you've been in Hong Kong you've been in Singapore um, a lot of um, innovation is occurring um, in both cities but particularly in Hong Kong with CBDCs mirroring China's efforts the uh, VASP regime that allows for the regulated digital 
assets. How do you see China, Hong Kong as kind of a test market for greater China? And, you know, is Falcon X expecting business from the Chinese institutions in their one, five, 10 or 25 year plan? Let me unpack that a, a little bit, Walter. Probably, probably what I won't do is sort of give a give a view on how how the, the Chinese will adopt crypto. Um, what I will do though is 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 give some I hopefully some insightful views around what I see around Hong Kong. Um, um, as as mentioned earlier, uh, I've spent a long time in Hong Kong. Um, I'm a Hong Kong permanent resident. Um, I was fortunate enough to be involved in um, setting up the the very first. Uh, Securities and Futures Commission regulated virtual asset platform um, and have watched the market evolve over the last couple of years. So I think Hong Kong is at a very, very unique um, situation um, that there is clear alignment from government to regulators to industry to want to build Web3 infrastructure and a Web3 economy. And so I think that that is... Um, as we as we see as as regulations evolve, um, as further investment and further licensing comes, that's I think we're going to see more and more investment and more and more products come into the into the market. So again, I would expect to see a an emphasis on tokenized real world assets. I think that that is going to be um, uh, if we think about the the way that that market should evolve. I think it's probably going to evolve quite quite quickly into tokenized real world assets, tokenized funds. Because um, again, if you if you put this overlay on it, and again, I'm, I haven't looked at the metric late, lately, but you know, the the wealth market in Hong Kong is you know top top four, top three globally with several trillion dollars in it. Um, so building products that cater into that market, um, you know, historically this has been you know the world's biggest IPO market. So as, as we think about this whole tokenization and the ability to put assets into a um, into into a different delivery mechanism, opening it up, reducing costs, I think Hong Kong's really really well placed to be able to uh, to be leverage and and hopefully be successful in doing that. Yeah, it has proven uh, resilient and able to adopt new new asset classes. So um, as you say, when we begin uh, tokenizing real world assets and make them infinitely more tradable. Um, Hong Kong will be there for that, I'm sure. Indeed. Now, um, Matt, um, before we go, I want to um, just talk to you about influence in your own life. And um, who have been some of the most influential people uh, in your career and in your life? Look, if I, I guess to, 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 to step through that, um, I, I guess personally, uh, my mother was a very strong influence on me, like, like many of us, single mother, taught me resiliency, um, taught me how to, to grow and to, to hustle while still being a, a good person. Number two, a, uh, a particular sports coach of mine from rugby stands out, you know, discipline, teamwork, again, resiliency and, and commitment. And then finally, a, um, a mentor of mine at, uh, at Macquarie Bank, um, who, again, quite conversely to the, I guess, the typical stereotype around bankers, had a couple of very clear edicts. Um, Number one was be generous with your time with other people, you know, so be generous with your time. And number two, be nice to other people. And so I think, you know, across my career, that's, you know, the, these are the things I think that have resonated with, uh, with me as, uh, you know, as I guess, as I built my career and my different businesses. And, you know, hopefully I'm bringing the best of that to Falcon X as, as well as we, as we build the business out here as well. Great. And Matt, uh, how do you wield your influence both 
within Falcon X and outside of work? I, I would like to think that, um, you know, with teams that I'm involved in, I'd like to be able to bring the best out in other people. And so, again, if we think about that real cliche of the, the value of the team should be better than the sum of the individuals, you know, I, I kind of view my role and what I, what I like to be able to do is, is get people operating at their best, you know, get people recognizing what they like doing and what they're good at doing and how, help them grow in areas that, uh, you know, that they're not. So I think that's, that's, quite, uh, that's quite important. Um, you know, I, to, to the maxim that I mentioned before, I would like to think that um, being nice to people is, is a good thing. Um, now I've always worked on the, uh, on the edict that you do, you, you do business with people that you like. Now you'll yeah. probably do business with people you don't like anyway, if it's good business, but you're more likely to be doing business with people you like. So I think that that's, uh, that's an important part of the way that, you know, I think about, you know, outside of Falcon X as well and how I do business. Yeah, I agree. I've been in, uh, communications consulting for quite some time. And I've always said that the clients that are nice and we have a good relationship with are the clients that get the phone call answered the quickest and the work done the fastest. So yes, well, great, Matt, listen, um, I'm gonna you you dodged the question on uh, China's adoption of crypto, but I'm not going to let you go without answering a question about Hong Kong versus Singapore. Uh, for those who don't know, there's quite a bit of a rivalry between the two cities, you've lived in both. So tell me what does Hong Kong do better than Singapore and what does Singapore do better than Hong Kong? So uh, Hong Kong does dim sum better. And Singapore does chicken rice better. Um, <laughs> there you just, that is the best answer I've ever heard. Look, I think in financial markets terms, I'm, I'm clear and unambiguous that there's a role for both, and particularly when it comes to digital assets. So if we look at other, other asset classes and other, um, other businesses, there, there, there is a clear role. They serve different purposes within the region. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm certain that within digital asset markets as well, we will evolve to a world over the next five to 10 years where there's a clear role for Hong Kong and Singapore performing different functions. Good, and I assume you'll still, you still call Australia home. Always, I think that's the, that's the tune, yeah. Yeah, well listen, Matt Long, thank you so much. Uh, Managing Director, Head of Falcon X in Asia Pacific. It's been great having this conversation with you. Thank you. Walter, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. That was Influences Today, the podcast. 